strong enough. If you can't bring down the charging bull, then don't wave the red cape at it. You were sent here for a reason. And even if it takes you the rest of your life, find out what that reason is. the age of heroes who never come again. It will. It has to. Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by... Amir Dure. And Derek Wong. So tonight, we're going to be talking about the long-awaited, long-hyped superhero epic do-over that is Zack Snyder's Justice League, or the Snyder Cut. Hardcore fans have waited years for this, ever since 2017's theatrical release, which was received uh, not particularly well. So... We should just get right into it. I wanted to start off maybe going around the room and talking a bit about each of our relationships with Zack Snyder as a filmmaker. I think that's like a good way to like ease into the actual Snyder cut because I think there's a lot to talk about when it comes to Zack Snyder as a as a director. Derek, you want to start? Sure. I do like uh, some of his movies in his earlier career. I mean, I love Dawn of the Dead. I still think that's probably one of his better movies Mm -hmm. i do like 300 i I like his strict adaptation of it um, versus i think in his later career when he starts adapting other comic book properties he puts his kind of own spin on it and and that's where it kind of veers incorrectly i mean kind of from that point i think his career has become more and more contentious in my viewings of his movies i mean you know watchman isn't the best sucker punch not the best I don't have as much issue with his DC stuff. Um, I'm still like a fan of Man of Steel. I find good qualities in BBS. So, you know, I was hopeful uh, for this iteration of Justice League. And I I was definitely looking forward to it before we we, uh, sat down and watched it. Um, I I was not. (laughs) (laughs) I don't hate Zack Snyder, but I'm not the biggest fan. I've actually not seen Dawn of the Dead. 300 is good, but also really racist. <laughs> so so maybe it's not good at all, I guess. But that's more um, <laughs> the source material than Zack Snyder, right? Because that's uh, how Frank Miller... Both, man. I feel like the movie makes it worse. Mm. I don't know what about it, but just looking at it, you're like, oh, this feels like... 
I don't know, an ethnic cleansing movie or something. It, it's it's fucking weird. Well, for the for those uninitiated, why is three hundred racist? Oh boy, uh, <laughs> that's like a podcast in and of itself. I think just the way everyone is portrayed makes it a West versus the rest sort of fantasy of like Western dominance over like the East or the other or the foreigner. It's just very. I don't know, it's wildly racist. <laughs> it just is. It's just uncomfortable to watch, man. Mm. There are parts of it that I really enjoy, but on the whole, it's it's like viscerally like uncomfortable to watch racist. Yeah, no, that's that's totally fair. I, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. Like, did you feel uncomfortable in theaters? I think I was too young. All right, 2006 was 15 years ago, so what, I was 20? I mean, I was not like very politically aware or not i mean not that it has anything to do with politics but like i wasn't like that aware of things like that i was like oh cool action movie let's go see it you know but on repeat viewings i definitely noticed like the issues that you pointed out yeah i was uncomfortable in theater but i like also was like oh cool action movie so like i didn't <laughs> it was definitely uncomfortable like in the theater like something's something's weird about watching this fucking movie and that weirdness was racism. Anyway, <laughs> um, 300 is still probably better movie than Watchmen, which is also like a very flawed adaptation of a good comic book. I think in a vacuum, Watchmen is pretty good. But as like an adaptation of Alan Moore's comic, it's pretty bad. Yeah, it just it doesn't understand Watchmen at all. It doesn't, um, no. I think. I mean, I had problems with the show's understanding of Watchmen, too, but I think Snyder really kind of misses the mark there. Like, he tries to do a lot of things that are very, I don't know, that are sort of slavish duplicates of the comics, mm -hmm. but then he just still somehow managed to miss the point. And I, I found that sort of true, uh, definitely in Watchmen. Yeah. Uh, probably the worst offender there. Let's see. Never seen the Owl movie. <laughs> Owl movie is best movie. No, really? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, is it better than Dawn of the Dead? Is it better? I don't know. Um, Dawn of the Dead is his best movie. but uh, <laughs> Let's see. Man of Steel, just all right. BVS, better than people give it credit for, but also not like good. Theatrical Justice League, also not I don't think you can even really good, count it as But can you movie. even count it as his movie? Yeah, no, I agree I don't completely. Think so. It's unfair. Like, I didn't know this, but now, like... You realize like that's not his movie at all. Yeah, I I didn't real I didn't realize that. So we'll get we'll get into that. But yeah, we'll um, get into how much of a percentage it is not his movie, which is that, that's, <laughs> that's uh, alarmingly high percentage. And, and, that, and that's his last project since since uh, until this, right? It's it's Justice League in twenty seventeen, and then and then mm -hmm. this. So yeah, I mean, so based on that body of work, I wasn't particularly excited. I saw no good reason to expect this to be any better than the theatrical version. I wasn't a particularly big fan of Zack Snyder as a director, and I didn't think there was any way like a four-hour Justice League movie was going to be any good. I was like, why would you want four hours of something that already sucked? But um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I was completely wrong. I was in part ignorant about what Snyder Cut actually meant. And right. um, yeah, let's, yeah, we'll get into it. So Jeff, what did you think? I don't think it's a secret that I'm, like, one of the biggest Zack Snyder haters of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's wow. a very mediocre filmmaker. I, th I think that's even putting it 
like nicely. I I feel like he misunderstands a lot of the source of material that he takes in. I think Watchmen, for all the reasons that you listed, I think Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, like he just does not understand the characters that he adapts. I think BVS is really, really bad. It's just so stupid of a movie. I think the whole Martha thing is really dumb. I just don't like it. I don't know. Just something about him and like the way his fandom is. I mean, like I'm trying to like put that in a vacuum and not have that affect my opinion of his films. But the way they put him on a pedestal is like so grating to me. Um, I mean, Amir, you've gone through a lot of the reasons that you don't really particularly find his movies that great. And I agree that times like 10. So I was totally prepared to go into this Snyder Cut experience, totally hating it and like totally shitting all over it because I was like, that's what I'm going to do. This is going to be great. I'm going to dunk on this this movie. <laughs> and I liked this movie. Yeah, it was good. I, it was good. It was fucking good. I have to tip my hat to the Snyder Cut fans. Like, the, mm-hmm. those people pulled for something that's never been done in film history, right? Like, yeah. they put $70 million into, uh, like, letting this guy release a four-hour director's cut of a movie that bombed? Like, what? Like, I didn't realize that that was going to happen. Like, I thought, oh, he's going to just, like, recut some of the stuff that was already shot. I didn't realize that he'd shot four hours of the stuff. Yeah. And like what what we saw in theaters was like a hacked up version of what he had done with some Joss Whedon quips thrown in. It it's uh crazy the scale of what of what was done to to make this. I mean, it's it's never been done before and I doubt it'll ever happen again something like this. Mm-hmm. This is crazy. Right? I think it's just totally nuts. Democracy in action. This is this is <laughs> this is fans like agitating to get something they wanted. And they were right. Like, in the face of all the critics and all the haters, like, they, they, they nailed this. They got this right. Zack Snyder made a good fucking movie. I remember going into the original Justice League, you know, Whedon's Justice League, and saying, like, a lot of comparisons going towards the Marvel stuff. Like, how could they, you know, not develop these characters and then just, you know, put them together in this, like, team-up movie, right? It felt rushed. It felt like it was the wrong time for that. Especially because, mm-hmm. you know, these characters weren't established yet. But then to see this movie and what he does with four hours, at the end of this movie, I was like, oh, okay. He actually, he did it. Like, I like these characters. I mean, they're probably not as flushed out as having their own movies. Obviously, right. But the, the character development has some backbone, you know what I mean? That actually has some things that uh, related to or at least understood. And by the end of the movie, kind of like, you know, a lot of these characters have natural arcs. In, in this kind of four-hour setup. So it's so fascinating that, like, I came into this kind of like you, Jeff. I was like, ah, there's no way. There's no – or actually, <laughs> like, both of you, I was like, there's no way, right? Like, this is – you know, I, I was joking with Jeff that this was going to be the best four hours of his life. But you were definitely 2000- joking. <laughs> yeah, I was joking, right? This is going to be the best four four hours of 2021. But – and not, I'm not to say that this was the best four hours of 2021. <laughs> but, like, I wasn't – upset after i watched it i was pleasantly surprised it doesn't feel like four hours i mean right four four hours feels like four hours no matter what you're doing yeah it it was it was long it was Uh, long but you know there are movies that feel longer and they're not as long as this right yeah like like here's the thing with the four hour thing because when i first heard that it was four hours i was like this is the most 
self-indulgent bullshit I've ever heard. Like, yeah, they gave him absolutely. like $70 million, and he's going to pad this shit out to fucking four hours. It's a huge exercise in hubris, I think. Unconscionable, right? Yeah. But this movie needs that four hours, especially when, when like, Derek, you're talking about, like, really introducing, like, three characters that have never been developed with their own movie, right? And I think this movie needs that. I mean, that doesn't make the four hours, like, incredible or amazing, but, like, it needs those four hours. And I think the self-indulgence here and the hubris here is earned. I I do think so. Yeah, I mean, it, it needed the four hours. And this goes back to, like, you have to put yourself in the mindset of, like, what, five years ago? Yeah, four years um, ago. Five, you know, yeah. what, before Wonder Woman, right? Like, she hadn't had her own movie. Did her movie come out before Justice League? Yes, it did. It did. It did. Yeah, yeah. So she had, she was introduced, out, but Aquaman did. But Aquaman hadn't been. That was the next year. So the major criticism of like the DCEU from like people like me who were fans of of comics and comic books and wanted to see DC do well the way Marvel was was that they were rushing to play catch up with Marvel and they didn't give Justice League any time to develop. They didn't set up these characters in the movies beforehand the way that Marvel did. Right. You know, Marvel set up Iron Man and Thor and all these heroes before doing the Avengers. But Justice League just didn't, right? Yeah, it was Man Man of Steel and then – PBS and Wonder Woman. Yeah, and then Wonder Woman and then this, yeah. So you've set up three people. You've set up half of your Justice League and the other three, like, got nothing because you had less than two hours to introduce them, set them up, and, like – complete their arcs so yeah you're you're a hundred percent right jeff like the the movie absolutely needed these four hours and another thing that it needed was to be released like on hbo max where you can watch it at home in like the comfort of your home and break it up you can watch it like two hours two hours or whatever but it's a perfect quarantine like release format like this works out so well for the movie i feel like maybe in theaters it would feel like its length, but I think at home it. it I doesn't. think if you were if, if this was to actually be like a theatrical cut, there's no way that any studio or oh no, he wouldn't have gotten like, four yeah, hours. You wouldn't have gotten the four hours. No right? way. At no, there's most, no way. At most, you know, and Endgame is three hours. So at, at most, you probably he could probably push to three, maybe three fifteen. And there's not yeah, there's not forty five minutes of fat in this movie. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some stuff that I I still can think. That but not I think a, that could, could be cut out to an hour. But yeah, but forty-five so. minutes to an hour would be There's very no way. hard for this movie. Yeah. Before we get too far, I don't want to say this movie is like the second coming or anything. No, because it's not at the core. It's still the same movie, right? Mm-hmm. It's still got the same plot, and I think that's where the weakness is. I think Steppenwolf, and I think the addition of Darkseid is not great. Um, especially really? how much. Yeah, especially Ooh. how much I like. Dark side from like the animated series and stuff. I think the stuff is just like kind of nothing. Characters they're just they're mm. just villains. So so I like I like the addition of Dark Side. I think it props up. Steppenwolf oh, I do. A lot. I do. I think Steppenwolf is, the, is one of the biggest weaknesses of the theatrical cut. You're like, who the fuck is this guy? I don't yeah. give a shit about Steppenwolf. Nobody gives a shit about Steppenwolf. He has no motivation. And like they give him motivation here. Yeah, they, they do. Him. It does add shading. It does. I'm I'm not I'm not denying it. And I think. They almost overuse Darkseid, but not quite. Mm-hmm. And so I think he's perfect as like a as like a looming evil in the background of okay, they're setting him up to be like the big villain of the next movie or the movie after that. 
And I think they did a good job with that. I, I was really happy to see him. I was really happy to see some Omega beams. That was that, <laughs> yes. made, that made my fucking watch. I was like, oh man, there's some dark side. We're just using this weird mace. I don't see any Omega beams, and he fucking uses them. So yeah, yeah I was to- totally into the way they used him here to make Steppenwolf better. No, but I, I agree with you, Jeff. Like, I don't think this movie's anywhere near perfect. It's 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 good. I like it. You know, I had fun watching it, but I mean, in the pantheon of like, I mean, if even if you're just comparing it to like other superhero movies, it's probably not like one of the best. It's one of the better DC ones. Though. I was going to say, For sure. I, I, I would say it's one of the better DCU ones, but like, it really sucks that we have to do this. But if you compare it to MCU movies, I mean, it still doesn't really hold a candle to some of the great ones in the MCU. Yeah. I think the mother boxes are still like a MacGuffin. I mean, 100%, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. And they don't really like follow how cool those devices are in the comics because like the mother boxes are like sentient supercomputers that are like coded the denizens of new genesis and stuff it's cool stuff and they're like connected to the source wall but you don't really get into any of this it's like oh the apocalyptins or whatever they just use it to terraform planets it's definitely just a MacGuffin device and like it's kind of it's the old comic book style of like just taking a name of something from the comics and throwing it in yeah like hey see we know the comics and it and it feels outdated in an mcu era where like people try to do very faithful adaptations and it's interesting because zach snyder does a lot of he does a lot of faithfulness in terms of like the look of things but he does sometimes miss the essence so I, i think he did that here so we have our overall thoughts. Do you guys want to get into maybe some of the things that you liked that he either changed or added? I mean, there's a lot to talk about here, right? Because, Jeff, do you want to give us a statistic on how much just, of this is? Yeah, I was just surprised of how much of this was new. So, like, the statistic I heard was that 80% of this is new stuff, mm-hmm. right? I mean, especially when you're talking about, like, a four-hour runtime something that doubles the the runtime like 80 percent of this is like stuff that they cut out of the joss whedon version or like he shot for the snyder cut release and i want to say like all the changes are probably for the better i think yes the joss whedon stuff is really bad and things that i did not miss at all Superman's stupid fucking CGI mustache face, which <laughs> they got rid of. So the theatrical cut opens with this stupid iPhone video of Superman, and you can already tell like his face is all messed up because of the stupid mustache thing with uh, with Paramount. They didn't let him shave his mustache, so they have to CGI out his mustache, and it looks terrible. And like the opening is actually pretty cool. It's like. Superman dying to doomsday and it's like his death scream reverberating mm-hmm. around the world which is kind of silly but it's infinitely better than the Joss Whedon smartphone open yes pretty much everything works I think Joss Whedon's jokes fell really flat and I think most yes. of the bad jokes were taken out too yeah Barry Allen's stupid brunch joke was removed which was good I'm so glad they got rid of the Aquaman sitting on the lasso thing. Sitting on the lasso. I oh, hated really? That. I hated Did you? That. It was just completely shift the tone of that movie, like in that scene. And it becomes a joke versus like, you know, it, that's the moment in the, in, the, in the movie where the team is like going towards Steppenwolf, right? Like they're... They're they're on their way to this final mission, and there's like this this really strong point of levity that just doesn't seem to fit the movie very well, in my opinion. 
it's a hundred percent a Joss Whedon edition. And they also took out the Flash falling into Wonder Woman's boobs. Yes. Joss, Joss yeah. Whedon loves that shit. He did that in Age of Ultron too, where uh, uh, Bruce Banner falls into mm, falls on Scott yeah, Scott Scott Johansson. Mm-hmm. He, he loves that shit. Now that we know kind of what a scumbag he is, like I think it's even worse in retrospect. And like it's mm-hmm. great that they took that out. But I mean, like the biggest additions, I think I hated the character of cyborg i was like what a nothing character that adds Mm -hmm. like literally no depth to the plot whatsoever and now cyborg kind of rips he's awesome yeah he's like the star of this movie yeah Yeah. he's like the heart of this whole movie and to take it like kind of extra diegetic like this is like the triumph of ray fisher over joss whedon yeah (laughs) yeah yeah so for so for people that don't know like ray fisher has been saying for the last couple of years that Joss Whedon was an awful boss. He was like abusive to staff. He was just like a terrible person. He created like a very toxic environment. And Fisher, you know, who plays Cyborg, he kind of sacrificed his career to like make these allegations. And they took him out of like the upcoming Flash movie Mm -hmm. uh, because of that. And now with Charisma Carpenter also leveling some accusations against Joss Whedon and Joss Whedon's own wife making accusations against – ex-wife making accusations against him a couple of years ago. Um, it's all sort of coming together to paint this picture of Josh Whedon as, as Jeff said, a gigantic scumbag. And it's just very like fitting that we get to see Ray Fisher shine in this movie in, in what could be like kind of a star-making turn for him. I got to ask you guys, do you think like the cyborg storyline, do you think it was cut from the theatrical or do you think Zack Snyder added? I think it was cut. I think it was cut. That makes Joss Whedon even worse because like – yes. Well, I don't know if that was, like, his decision to cut it. It might have been the studios. But why would you cut that? That's some of the best stuff in the movie. But, I mean, like, if you're trying to fit, like, a two-hour... Yeah, here's the thing. I don't want to play Joss Whedon Defense Force. Yeah. But he was put in a shitty position to edit this movie and make it, what, fit, like, two hours or under two hours at a studio's behest and, like, punch it up and make it Whedon-y. They didn't say Joss Whedon make Justice League. They said, oh, shit, Zack Snyder made Justice League and then he was unable to finish it because of a family tragedy. Can you come in and, like, not only finish it, but also make it more marvel Yeah, give it, like, a brighter tone and more humor. That was yeah. the studio mandate, and that sucks, yeah. Which was a huge mistake. He was put in a pretty shitty position. I mean, fuck that guy. But, like, <laughs> also, I don't know that no, – knowing what we know now that the theatrical cut ever could have worked – but I mean, from from the sounds of it, also like from the reports back then, like a lot of stuff he like reshot too, and you could tell like there are definitely scenes that are very similar between the two movies, but also like vastly different because of the way I, I think my assumption is like the, some of the things that Whedon you know reshot right versus what Zack Snyder originally shot. So there's nothing of Whedon in this film, as far as I understand it. What I, what I read somewhere was that there's not a single Whedon shot in this movie. I don't know. What do you guys think of the this is a kind of a bit of a lesson. What do you guys think of the Ray Fisher allegations when you heard? I mean, I believe them. It's just that I thought it was a little frustrating that he wouldn't come up with specifics about like what Dude, actually was, happened. He was so vague. I he was, was just like, really oh, vague. Right, I was like, I like don't give a shit about the story. I'm yeah, like, like we can't care. go any further with this unless you give specific accounts of what happened, right? And I think how vague it was was like, I mean, you already blew up your career. You might as well just come out and like talk about the specific things that he did. It felt kind of like he did his case a disservice, but turned out he was like 100, 100% right. And like, 
I don't know. There was. I mean, I mean, I don't know if Justice League is like completely before Joss Whedon's fall from grace, but it feels like there's there's been a total reversal of fortune here now, where uh, Zack Snyder. I don't know. Zack Snyder took a lot of heat for like, I guess the way his fans were acting. I guess, and so it was like, oh, the Snyder Cut fanboys are like toxic, like Gamergate bros or whatever, and like you know. Joss Whedon is the, I don't know, feminist, nice alternative or whatever. And now, like, that whole narrative is completely flipped on its head. Like, Zack Snyder's, like, I don't know, a decent guy who suffered an awful family tragedy that stopped him from making this movie. And uh, Joss Whedon's a piece of shit. So it's it's really weird to see those things completely inverted, at least from what the mainstream narrative was. I mean, to your point, when the theatrical cut came out, Zack Snyder couldn't win, right? Like, if... I think anyone going into that movie thought, like, if that movie was going to fail, it was going to be Zack Snyder's fault, right? Mm-hmm. They, they weren't really going to blame Whedon. But then it's interesting to see that narrative change now, too, right? It's like we, we you know, even on this podcast, we're kind of blaming Whedon because we, we can now see a direct correlation between what Zack Snyder was going to do and what Joss Whedon decided to do, right? Mm-hmm. With the lines he used, with the scenes he used, with the cut he used, right? So... It is interesting to see that dynamic change over time. The one thing I will say about Snyder is I don't know how he was ever going to make a theatrical length cut of this movie work. That's, yeah. Like that's, what we have works, but how would he have fit this into two hours? I don't or think three hours. Uh, so, I mean, in a way, this seems like it was sort of the best outcome for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, you know, he had been able to finish his vision, it wouldn't have been this. He still wouldn't have had the room to do what he needed to do. Now, do you guys remember before Justice League came out, before, you know, Whedon stepped in because Zack Snyder had to step down? I mean, he, there was a lot of talks that he wanted Justice League to be two movies, actually. To be oh, a really? one part and a two part. I don't remember that. Uh, yeah, I remember that, like, very early in the kind of production of it. And then, you know, of course, it changes. just like, oh, we're just going to release one movie. Like, do you think that this could have worked as two movies? Well, it has the length for it, certainly. Yeah, but then you think about, like, the first half of this movie versus the second half. Like, I don't know if you can rearrange things or have it so that, like, the first movie, like, still punches, like, as, as hard. Because I feel like the punchiness of this movie really comes in the second half with the the subway fight or the underground fight. And then of course the last fight, right? Mm-hmm. The first two hours of this movie is a lot of character development and you don't really get that much action. Yeah. Um, so I, I wonder if, if he could have been even split into like two movies. I mean, it probably would have been different. Like he yeah. probably would have done something else to, to make it more evenly balanced, kind of like infinity war versus Endgame, Maybe. Mm-hmm. We, we didn't get that version, right? So yeah, we, there's, yeah. there's no way. And and to go back a little bit more about like Zack Snyder and like the fandom or whatever, like he's done a lot in the past week to like rehabilitate his image in my eyes, at least, because I think a lot of like his comments kind of rubbed me the wrong way leading up to the release, too, because like he was like, oh, this is a movie for grownups or whatever. Remember he like retorted against some guy on Twitter. He's like, you can go play in your little, little kids thing. This is a movie for grownups. If you don't like it, you can, you can go back to your toys or something like that. And and I yeah. thought that was kind of pretentious. It's just a fucking justice league movie, man. But he did a lot this week where like, I don't know if you saw, but he did like a press junket with a bunch of like famous 
YouTubers and like fans of the Snyder Cut, right? And there's this like famous Gamergate, Comicsgate YouTube channel called Geeks and Gamers. I don't know if you've you've heard about this. Nope. Mm-mm. But they were on there because they're like some of the biggest Zack Snyder fans, right? And they were in the Zoom call. And Zack Snyder was like, I'm not affiliated with these guys. These guys are kind of fucking douchebags or whatever. <laughs> it was kind of great, actually. And, like, now they're coming out against Zack Snyder. He's like, oh, this is a conspiracy or whatever. There's just more, like, alt-right shit, you know? It was great to see him, like, actually, like... I don't know if he was aware if they were on there. I mean, he he probably was. But it was nice to see him, like, take a stand against that, like, toxic behavior. Yeah, I've been definitely getting the vibes of the things that like I've read and seen, you know, the last couple of weeks leading up to this release from Zack Snyder. It does seem like he's just a guy that's a little bit jaded, um, a little bit just yeah. like over it, right? He's very grateful, of course, to all the fans that have supported him and have really rallied behind this, you know, hashtag Snyder cut thing, right? And, you know, he's been really vocal about like saying like, hey, this is for them. Uh, this is for anyone that will enjoy it. But he's very much like, this is my vision, right? Take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. I respect that, right? Like, I, I think that he's kind of said, like, you know, I'm a director and, like, you know, uh, my job is to to basically, you know, put together my vision of what I want this movie to be. And, and I think that's what he's done. And I don't fault him for pushing, like, niceties aside in the last couple weeks mm-hmm. because – from all reports, it sounds like he's done with WB, right? They're kind of done with him. And this this is the end, right? Like, we're not going to get a sequel to this. It's so funny, though, because this is a big success, I think. Yes, which makes me wonder now, yeah. So what is, do you know the source of why he's done with all this? I think he's just done with cape shit in general. I feel like, <laughs> I mean, he says he doesn't want to do superhero stuff anymore. So, like, his next movie is for Netflix. It's uh, Army of the Dead. But, I mean, let, let's get a little more into the movie, I think. Yes, yes, sorry. No, 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 that's, that's fine. I just think it's better in every way over the theatrical mm-hmm. cut. I think the the stupid Russian farm thing was excised from this. Thank you, yes. Wait, so I kind of liked the Russian farm no. thing because I like anything <laughs> where superheroes are, like, saving innocent people. I do. I do like I absolutely loved in the theatrical version Superman like doing his little super hearing thing and being like, "Oh, Flash is trying to save civilians, but like he's not going to make it in time. I have to help him." And then you know he goes and he helps him. He saves civilians. He's carrying the building. I I liked it. Actually. I just think the Russian farm looked like dog shit. Yeah, and I think this made some changes where it was better. I mean, I think this whole movie misses out on. The heroes saving people, which is one of the negatives of this cut, I think, mm-hmm. um, because you're missing the Batman's save one line in the sewers, which I thought that was one of the best lines of the theatrical cut. Yes, I miss that, too. I agree. That's one of the things that I thought was actually better, but was actually good in the theatrical. I think it was yeah. better in the theatrical cut. I'll say it. I think it was better. I didn't like the Flash being... So, like, timid, like that, I'm take it or leave it on the Flash being, like, sort of a a, a timid, reluctant hero. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever. But I did miss that. Yeah, I think that was a really great kind of characterization for both Batman and Flash, right? Like, Batman yeah. kind of taking the lead and be like, hey, just save one person. And then Barry realizing what it means to, like, 
be a hero right in that moment and i i do miss that from that scene but then the way he changed the scene i think or when i see he i see zack snyder i think barry is given more to do he was in in his cut because like i love the the way he takes out that one parademon right like we don't get that in the theatrical cut and like when he is like grabbing all the debris that's falling over those people that's like fucking cool yeah that was cool that was cool because that's different than what we've seen like speedsters like you know we're really used to seeing speedsters in movies now like all in slow-mo to see it as like really quick flashes of him like in the sky and it's like flashing around all those people i thought that was a really cool visual yeah i mean that wasn't in the theatrical cut it's it's neat i i do like the the effects surrounding the flash yeah i just think that line was great i think it really took an edge off of Snyder's characterization of Batman as being a fucking cold-blooded murderer. <laughs> um, you know? Because, like, him saying to the Flash, like, go save people, but just, like, take it one guy at a time. Just save one person and then come back. And I thought that yeah. was great characterization, and they took it yeah. out of this cut, which I, I really sorely missed. Yeah, that, that's, that's one of the biggest things I missed. And they also gave Wonder Woman a more, more of a lethal edge here. Yes. I don't know if I liked. <laughs> um, Are you talking about the ending or just throughout? The ending and her intro. Because she totally yeah. vaporizes that terrorist. Well, it's not even that. Like, if you watch that scene. Well, she and she's kills, like, like, all of them, right? Yeah, and there's, like, blood splots on the walls. Like, you see, like, giant blood splots on the walls. I was like, wow. This is a huge contrast to what we saw in, like, 1984 where we, you know, me and Mir, we talked about, like, all those great moments where she, like, saves people, right? And she doesn't want people to get hurt. And these people are just, like, they're dead. There's no way they're not dead. Yeah, there's definitely, like, a a, a casual, like, sort of inured to, like, the random deaths of these henchmen in the Zack Snyder DC universe. Because, like, Batman definitely kills a ton of people. Mm -hmm. Um, He's all about using machine guns and rockets and, like, there's all kinds of tons of people dying. Like, normally there's this fiction that, like, Batman doesn't kill people. And, like, whether it's believable or not, we, like, play along with it. But, like, there's no, like, facade here. Like, this, these heroes just, like, kill people straight up, which is really weird. And it's, like, something they tried to do in comics maybe, like, 10, 15 years ago. They tried to have Wonder Woman be, like, the one who, like, is down to kill. Where, where like, Batman and Superman won't. Mm-hmm. They did play with that for a while. Funny enough, she kills Maxwell Lord. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, snaps his neck, right? Yeah, I don't think the Wonder Woman killing is that annoying to me, just because like that's not like the characterization of her in the comics that I see all the time, where she's so against killing. But I, th- right, I always yeah. think like Batman and Superman, they don't kill, and they've killed in all of Zack Snyder's movies, maybe except for this one, right? I don't think I think Snyder is actually become more cognizant of that with this version of Justice League where yes. I think Batman is softer and I think Superman is more optimistic and I think that's pretty good. I don't think they fight any people. So I don't think there's yeah. anybody to really die. They mostly yeah. just fight parademons yeah. except for that one Wonder Woman terrorist thing, right? Yeah. So good. The contrast between 1984 and this movie is just like because it was only it's only a couple months apart, so it's like it's hilarious to me. I, I don't know if Wonder Woman's just better in small doses, or if that film was just complete, you know, uh, trash. But she, she's much better in in this and in BVS than she was in mm-hmm. her own movie. I, I think Gal Gadot <laughs> has strengths, but 
she has a lot of weaknesses as an actress, as an too. Actress. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. I think, like, the delivery of smaller lines, she's very good. But when it comes to, like, the big declarations of, like, superheroics and stuff, it comes off really stilted and and bad. And I, I always think it's, it's so funny that, like, she just can't do an accent, like, an American accent. So they had all the Amazonian actresses, like, adopt her accent, which is fine. I think it's <laughs> cool. It actually worked. It's it actually kind of yeah, cool. It works. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one of the things cool. that works to, like, hide the shortcomings of the actress that you have. But, like, her big, like, Kal-El, no, that line is so bad. And then, like, in 1984, she was like, give me the stone. It's like, everyone makes fun of her for that. But she has nice moments, though. She's not, like, a horrible actress, but, like... She's the weakest, I think. She, she, she's not good. Yeah, she's definitely the weakest. Who's the strongest actor in this? Ooh, just from the Snyder Cut? Like, seeing the Snyder Cut? Yeah, 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 the Snyder Cut. Probably Fisher? Yeah, of the of the main cast, probably Fisher. Uh, if we're including secondary characters, maybe J.K. Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> he was in it for longer than the theatrical cut, but... And he's a really good actor, I don't know. He... <laughs> But sorry, go, going back really quick to something about accents. I didn't remember that it's because I haven't seen this movie in a long time. That Mira, Mira has an accent, yeah, right? And she so does it in Aquaman. It, it's so weird. She yeah, has like a British right. accent in this, and it's not very yeah. good either. It's not good, and then but she has no accent in in Aquaman, and it's very strange. Uh, but that's just a side note. Okay, going oh, back. How, to how, how much better was her fight with uh, Steppenwolf? Yeah, uh, defending the mother box. That's a great fight. Does she try in that fight to like kill Steppenwolf by sucking no, the water out that. of his body? Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, she she does. She tries to Magneto him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Which is very cool. Like that was a that was a much cooler fight. There's a lot of really cool, very additions unique here. like use of the water powers there. It's yeah, cool. mm-hmm. I, I love those water powers. By the way, yeah, that little bubble of air they make is super cool every time. I mean, I guess if I had magic, I would use it to make bubbles of air where I can speak, but <laughs> it seems like such a trivial use of, like, such a huge power, but I don't Wait, know, are cool. the are the bubbles in the theatrical cut? I don't remember. Yeah, they yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. But they're just cool. I just yeah. like them. I, I, do, I do really like those little bubbles they make with their water magic. It's pretty sweet. I mean, I like, I've already talked about, like, I think some of the Flash stuff is better, you know, the way he fights. I think the action in general is better. We talk a little bit of about you know our the miscomings of Zack Snyder earlier, but I think action wise he is still a, an actual good action director, right? Like he actually knows how to film action and and choreograph action. So I mean I think that was always going to be better than the theatrical cut. Yeah, I just think the villains are still pretty boring. So my eyes still glaze over when you're just like barreling through parademons and then like I don't know. You gave Steppenwolf a makeover, but like. I think it's still like a fourth grader's idea of what looks cool. It's just like shiny, spiky armor instead of like the stupid uh, open face look of the, the the theatrical cut. I think I think it's kind of dumb and it's just too much CGI. You didn't like the armor? I, it was fine. I was like, oh, this is so much better than theatrical. Like, it, it's okay. okay. He looks yeah. cooler, but just like in like a elementary school kind of way yeah he's definitely a little bit cooler i'll agree the action isn't like blow your mind away amazing but i'll add that i don't think the action in most comic movies is really very good yeah 
a lot of these a lot of these comic book movies have really kind of shitty fighting. <laughs> and that's including the Marvel ones too. That's not to let them off the hook either. A lot of their fights fucking suck. But like compare and contrast like stuff like Infinity War where Thanos is like throwing down with all the people on Titan. I think that's way better done large scale combat than like this. Right? He's like throwing moons and like Doctor Strange is like multiplying himself with like the whips and stuff. It's cool. I just think here it's just like Steppenwolf's got a big axe and he's swinging it. Yeah, there's nothing super creative. Um, I liked his fight with the Amazons. That's cool. He's yeah. throwing horses around. They're using the bow, like the bow and arrow and lassos and stuff. Super cool. What was different about the Snyder Cut versus the theatrical when it came to the Themyscira, keep away. The biggest difference is that when they close that temple, it actually falls into the water, right? Right, 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 right. That was not in the theatrical. I remember Yeah, in the theatrical cut, like, it's still there, and he just, like, cuts through the wall. Like, it, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, there's absolutely no meaning to these people, like, quote-unquote, sacrificing themselves, right? But versus, like, in this actual, like, Snyder cut, like, it meant that the, you know, the ground was going to collapse between them, below them, and they were going to drown. Right? They were actually sacrificing themselves. Like I, mm-hmm. even that small move, like, makes so much more sense when they like break the walls down and and the doors come shutting down or whatever. You know what I mean? But other than that, the chase is pretty similar. Except it's similar, right? Yeah, it's similar except for like you know it's a little bit more brutal. I think that's what Amir is alluding to. Like straight up grabs like a horse with the woman on it still and like just chucks it. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's a little bit more brutal, but in in essence, it's pretty much the same scene. Well, no, yeah, I think you're right completely on that. What they do add is that little, like, kind of Indiana Jones scene of, of, of Diana exploring the temple. Mm-hmm. And this is one of many additions that makes the movie make sense, right? You don't realize when you're watching Justice League how much of it is just, like, left for you to infer. Like, oh, they must have just figured that out. Oh, they must have just gone there. Whereas, like, this movie actually shows you them going point A, point B, and it makes it make a lot more sense. Like, as far as I remember in the theatrical version, they do that whole thing with, like, the burning arrow from Therascara that's supposed to be, like, Wonder Woman's warning that, you know, something bad's happening. But then they never show anything other than that. Yeah. They just drop it completely. Yeah, this fills in a lot of gaps that I think is great for the pacing and, like, just the basic logic of the movie, I think. Yeah, the basic logic is so much more fleshed out. And I didn't I realize it's what I was missing in the theatrical version. But when you watch this, you're like, oh, now there's so many things that make more sense. Yeah, I mean, even, like, for me, even the quieter moments, right, away from the action are better. Even, like, the grave digging scene is better, right, between the Flash and, yeah. and Cyborg. That small interaction between, like, Arthur and Diana about, like, Ant- Atlanteans versus Amazons is, like, it gives so much more characterization in just, like, that one scene than, like, I think they, they had in the theatrical cut, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I love the scene where, like, Barry's like, well, I thought you didn't care. And he's like, I never said that, right? When Arthur's like, I mm-hmm. never said that. Like, it... All those things add up to, like, a movie where I can sense that these characters are, like, becoming a team and, like, actually caring about each other versus mm-hmm. what the theatrical cut feels like. It's just, like, these people come together because there's a threat, but it doesn't feel like they gel as a team. And I think it's just those small moments that he Zack Snyder chooses to use in his version that I think really elevates the the 
Justice League team aspect of this movie. Well, in the theatrical, they're barely characters, right? And I think it just does wonders for the team when you get to focus a little bit on the on the individuals before you bring them together. Like, I love the little bit where Cyborg gives that waitress that payout, right? Dude, that's the best part of the fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, that was, I was so great. I was so happy when that happened. <laughs> I think the visual representation of that is fucking hilarious and it's really yeah. stupid where it's just like a little stack of cash and he makes it like, <laughs> yeah. it's like scrooge mcduck style or something but <laughs> that's fine I, i'll 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 give that a pass because that moment was so so fun and some this is a cute little moment for for cyborg I, I forgot sorry we were just talking about the amazons the one thing that's not a cut at it that was awesome was when Steppenwolf shows up, he's like, all of my parademons will feed on your fear. Mm-hmm. And Hippolyta's like, daughters of Themyscira, show him your fear. And they're all like, we have no fear. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> it's going to work fast. <laughs> like, that was great. That's a great line. That's that was, yes, a great line. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. And there's a lot of little things like that throughout. Like, Steppenwolf's little, like, mind-reading spider. That thing is so cool. Yeah. It's very, like, the Matrix. I kind of wish it had been, like... A physical probe and not just like a little hologram thing. Yeah, with a little more body horror, a little kind more of invasiveness. Yeah, look the way that thing from the Matrix crawls into Neil's belly button. Yeah, like, that's kind of what I was picturing. But dude, the hologram spider's still super cool, and I don't think that's in the theatrical cut at all. No, it no, isn't. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. I, I, lo- I love, I love the brain reading, the, the mind reading hologram spider. Very cool little addition. I think Steppenwolf is still pretty boring, but like they do give him some shading. Where, like, I fucking love when Desaad comes and is like, you still owe our lord 50,000 50, worlds. worlds. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, cuts yeah. to his face and it looks like he's got, like, tears in his eyes. Like, I gotta, do, like, I gotta, like, take 50,000 like, worlds. so many, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is funny. I, I love the little molten holograms, too. By yes. The, the little yeah. molten hologram is so cool. And, like, they've got all this advanced technology. They could clearly do, like, a good 3D color image. But they're like, let's just do lava holograms instead. <laughs> it's really funny. I love it. Yeah, a lot of it's silly, but it's cool. No, no I was going to say, one addition that I didn't quite understand is that, like, so we see the one change that Zack Snyder does is that it wasn't originally Steppenwolf that invades Earth, right? All those years ago, it was actually Darkseid. Right. Right? In theatrical cut, that was Steppenwolf that got, that got defeated and, and expelled from Earth. Here, it's it's Darkseid. But then there's this moment later in the movie where Steppenwolf, like, talks to the mother boxes and, like, he figures out that Earth has the anti-life equation. Mm-hmm. Like, did Darkseid not know that already when he invaded the first time? I don't think so. But he does the same move where he like hits the ground and then it like lights up with like that symbol. Like so it was very confusing to me. Like, was that is that the anti life equation? And shouldn't he have seen that too? And he shouldn't he remember that it was on Earth and Earth was the world that defeated him? I don't know. I think I think they like lost the location to Earth or something like that. I I don't know. I don't know. How do you lose the location of the place that like basically sent you away? Like I'd be angry, be like, I'm I'm Remember this place. I'm coming back here pretty soon. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that and but that, that's what they say. They're like, oh, like the legend of like his one defeat yeah. is like 
well known, but you know, no one knows where that world once was or whatever. Which is so, really weird. To me, I don't but know. Okay, yeah, that, that's the only thing that didn't, didn't whatever, seem to dude, make sense. Whatever, dude. Five thousand years. Yeah, because it was so long ago, and maybe like he didn't even start his quest for the anti-life equation until like 2005 or something. Who the fuck knows? Right, where he's yeah. like I'm doing it any time, but yet, you know, I'll just wait until about now. Because <laughs> it is weird because it. The, the the mother boxes are like afraid of Superman, but like let's be honest, Superman's been on this earth for like thirty years, forty at most. Mm-hmm. What happened to the other four thousand nine hundred and sixty years before Superman got here? Right, right, right. Well, they they weren't like awakened or whatever, right? Like they have to be awakened by something, don't they? But they were they, they were saying that they didn't awake because they were afraid of Superman, right? Or like you know what I mean? Like it it, it kind of implied yeah, that they're because. Because Superman's death scream woke them up, or whatever. Yeah. So I don't know. It doesn't. It's this shit is not airtight at all. But it's, it's fine. Whatever. This is the weakness that I see in in this movie. So let's let's talk about some of these other bigger changes, right? So we got a fucking Martian Manhunter cameo. I guess we yeah. got two cameos from the dude. I kind of wish that Martha was Martha in that scene. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? I don't know. I thought it was a nice moment between Martha and Lois, and then it turned out it was fucking John. That's kind of yeah. weird. But my jaw dropped. I was like, holy shit, Martian Manhunter? What? Yeah. I don't think he really fits into this movie that well. No, not at all. I think it's like real fan service Yeah. But it was cool. It was nice to see him. Because it's also kind of weird that he comes back at the end. Yeah. But uh, I was reading that originally that wasn't supposed to be martian manhunter it was supposed to be another character oh really if Zack snyder were to get his actual theatrical cut that would have been a different character and my guess is that that would have probably been a green lantern mm. because you know we already you know do you remember like the whole slate was announced like there was going to be right, uh, right, you know, right a right. cyborg movie there was going to be a flash movie and there was going to be a green lantern core movie mm-hmm and I think that would have been the time I think he would have introduced, you know, a Green Lantern. But, you know, it turned out to be just John, right? Which I thought was really cool because I think he looks cool. It makes sense that he's, I think his name is Lennox, right? Uh, the Harry Lennox? Yeah. So he played General Swanwick in mm-hmm. Man of Steel. So was he Martian Manhunter this whole time? I guess so. Yeah, I think I think the implication that he's been Man- oh. Martian Manhunter this whole time. Mm, okay. And then another big change, I think, happens uh, really at the end of the movie, right? Where Superman comes in and he's like, he's got the black costume mm-hmm. instead of the, the red and blue. Um, what is the implication of that? Is, is that just like get the Superman from the comics? I think that's the- a little bit like fan service too. Yeah. I think the idea that like, you know, you know, when in the comics, Superman's resurrection is really, you know, heavily synonymous with that that black silver costume he has right i like it i think the black costume rips yeah it looks good that for me was one of the best scenes in the movie when he like he goes to his ship Uh uh-huh and like he goes to get that costume and then we get the overlay of like jor-el and jonathan kent Mm -hmm. kind of like talking about clark's legacy and what it means to be who he is Mm -hmm. you know because i remember from man of steel like that was that was kind of contentious, right? The idea that like Jor-El was the one that really wanted him to be like Superman versus Jonathan Kent wanted him to kind of hold back a little bit and maybe potentially hide himself. Jonathan Kent, still the dumbest death in like cinematic <laughs> history. I think. Yes. Hold, hold. 
if my son was Superman, I would want him to fucking save my life, okay? I don't fucking yeah. care. Don't let the tornado fucking whisk me away <laughs> to my doom. Come yeah. save my ass. Yeah. I fucking raised your ass. <laughs> but, you know, I, I do like the, the, the use of... And I'm not too sure if they're, they're actually lines from Man of Steel, but, like, I like the use of, like, you know, the lines of... Jorel and, and and Jonathan Kent kind of finally lining up, right? And they're both kind mm-hmm. of in sync to be to tell basically uh, Clark that you know it's time for him to become Superman, I guess in a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was a really beautiful moment. I think that's one of the best moments in this movie for me. Yeah, and a nice little callback to Man of Steel's like the first the first flight where he's mm-hmm. got like the the little debris, the dust around him that's like like levitating, and then he just takes off. You know, great little moment. Way better than Wonder Woman's first flight in 1984, <laughs> which I know you liked, Derek. But this was this was better, I think. The flight stuff, and I think Man is still still mm-hmm. definitely, I agree, works better than the Wonder Woman stuff. Then mm-hmm. I, I I love the yeah the little gravitating little pebbles and stuff. I think that's yeah. always super cool. It's a nice touch. Yeah, and speaking about like one thing that I fucking hated from the theatrical cut that I actually liked in the Snyder cut is the nightmare timeline stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's more of a, a BVS thing. It is, yeah. Yeah, in the theatrical, they completely abandoned the nightmare stuff, right? There is no nightmare stuff. So it, it felt really disjointed from BVS. We're like, what? What the? F-? Well, I mean, all right, I, I hated the nightmare stuff in BVS. I thought that was... I liked it. Yes, I, I liked it BVS. Too. It's I thought... weird and like, it's weird and like out of nowhere and you're like, what the fuck is going on? Well, that's why Some I hate weird it. apocalypse. That's why I like it. It's super cool. Like in a movie that's like not that consistent in tone and not that like good and not that weird. Here's this just like weird post-apocalyptic vision out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like I loved it. Well, now it makes sense. Makes so more, now, so much that's more sense. Why, that's why I like it more now because like there's context. What what was the thing that clicked for you that made it that made you like it? Well, I was like, what what happened in this timeline that made it like this? Like, how did Batman b- turn from like a murderer into a murderer? <laughs> you know, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, <laughs> but like, I don't know. There's just the context behind it, or like of like Dark Side and how Lois Lane is like the key behind everything, I guess, and how Superman turns evil. And that's what this nightmare timeline is, right? And like, I think it's cool. I think I think it's fleshed out more. And I think that's like the big overarching uh, saga that Zack Snyder intended to tell, and he didn't get a chance to. Have you? Okay, so I'll bring this up now, and I don't know if you guys want me to bring it up, but have you guys read uh, the description of the leaked storyboards for Justice League, his his future Justice Leagues? No, I've read a little bit about it. Is this the one where Batman is in love with Lois Lane? Well, that was like one potential part of it. But Uh okay, so we've already kind of discussed like, you know, most likely Zack Snyder is not going to come back and there's not going to be a, you know, Justice League two or three based on the Snyderverse. So that's why he came out and said all this. Is that Yes, I think partially that's why he came out and shared all this. But I also think that's some of the new stuff that we see in this movie. So my speculation is the nightmare stuff is new because it is, it has been said that Jared Leto and Ben Affleck came back and shot additional scenes. Cause you know, he wanted to have a, like an actual conclusion for, uh, or an actual meetup between those two characters. So that's why we got that nightmare scene where they, they talk. 
But my speculation is that also the the you know when right before they bring Superman back to life, Cyborg has a vision where he sees Diana dead. Right, 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 right. Yeah, on the pyre. Yeah, on the pyre, and then Aquaman gets stabbed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I believe I believe that is new also because now I'm gonna get into these leak storyboards. It could be a little bit spoilery because if for some reason he ever creates Justice League two and three. This might still happen, but some of these leaked things that have come out, like Justice League 2 was supposed to be a Legion of Doom movie, where, you know, and we saw at the end of the theatrical cut, that's what Jesse Eisenberg brought Deathstroke to do, right? It was, you know, he said like, oh, shouldn't we have our own league of our own or whatever he uses? Mm-hmm. So like the second movie was supposed to be a Legion of Doom movie where they are actually successful in in synchronizing the mother boxes and it brings dark side to earth and in that movie we would have saw, seen the death of diana and arthur and then we would have also seen the death of lois lane by the hands of dark side that would have been the tipping point for uh clark to turn against earth mm-hmm. right and then the third movie would have been the flash going back in time and fixing everything and so, like, and like a, a flashpoint storyline, flashpoint paradox, kind of almost thing. like a flashpoint story point where you go back in time and fix everything. So that's why it connects kind of to BBS, where we see the Flash go back and say like Lois is the key, right? Because mm-hmm. in the leaked version, Batman, when he goes back in time, Batman steps in front of in front of the Omega beam that's supposed to hit Lois instead of hitting Lois, and that's what we see in that little future snippet, right? Like Superman's holding a dead body that's Lois. Oh, so that ma- that makes sense with the Joker dialogue too, where he's mm-hmm. like, "It's like, yes, oh, yeah. like in how many possible worlds would you have like sacrificed yourself to do the right thing or whatever, uh, whatever, whatever the hell he says?" Oh, interesting. So yeah, th- that's why I think those are new scenes because I think if he's not going to be able to tell that story, he wanted to kind of like insert some of those those thi- those ideas into this Justice League. Well, Lois is also pregnant in this, right? Because she has that yes. pregnancy. Yes test in the drawer and they never fucking bring it up but like i read that it was supposed to be that after batman sacrifices himself it's like it reveals that superman and lois had a kid and they named him bruce and like he was gonna be like the new batman or whatever i don't know it's <laughs> some silly shit but it's, it's cool to see like his whole vision right even though it'll never probably come to like full fruition and that, that kind of actually makes me sad now. Like, yeah, now, I'm cool. like shit. I, cool. now I'm like, shit, I kind of want to see these movies. And it's a shame they'll never happen. Yeah. Because, like, if that's what he had planned, this shit would have been fucking cool. Like, I don't know. Like, Steppenwolf kind of sucks, but Darkseid looks cool in these fucking movies. Yeah, he actually Omega, looks really cool. <laughs> his, Omega, his Omega Beam's fucking whip ass. I marked out when I saw that in that weird vision. Did he not have those Omega Beams during the Themyscira invasion? <laughs> yeah, right. It's kind of weird. He didn't. He doesn't use them. He was kind of a chump in that. Like He was definitely a chump, and I didn't like that. Like, that was the one thing I even put in my notes. I was like, Darkseid is in this movie? Wait, where are the Omega Beams? <laughs> and, then he, and then they did, and I was like, oh, hell yeah. Like, he takes an axe to the neck, and he's like, oh, no, I gotta retreat. <laughs> you know? So, like... And he passes out, and he's like, oh, I can't even go on. I passed out. Like, maybe that led him to be like, you know what? I need to, like, level up, so I need to learn get these Get in the gym, ex- exercising my fucking eyelids. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about, then, the interaction between Joker and Batman. Like, what do you guys think about that? 
I don't know. I don't really like Jared Leto's Joker. And I mean, I think this is vastly better than what we got. This Joker was vastly yes. better than what we got in Suicide Squad. Yes, so yes. I'll, I'll take it, I guess. <laughs> so is that a Ryan Choi Adam? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so, like, when you see him, is he in the theatrical cut at all? No, no. I don't think so. He's okay, completely because, like, cut out of it. Yeah, I was like, who the fuck is this, like, new character who's, like, conspicuously the second-hand man of Cyborg's dad, right? And they keep saying his name or whatever, and then in the end, it's like, oh, you're in charge of the whole thing. And they're like, make a point to mention he's a master of nanotechnology. And so I was like, oh, okay, they're setting up an atom. And then, I guess it's not set up, I guess that's, like, all we're going to see of him. But I guess in the future, he's like part of this future resistance to, I don't know, a dark side of evil Superman. I saw like, yeah, I saw a tweet where it's like the worst crime Whedon ever did was cut Ryan Choi out of this movie, right? The, <laughs> yeah. Like, the John, like, Asian character. Joss Whedon, anti-Asian racist. Yeah. Jesus. Anti-everyone racist. He cut Cyborg out of this movie too, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, but it would have been so cool because they were setting up, you know, I mean, it seems like it's setting up Martian Manhunter. It's setting up Ryan Choi as the Atom. I mean, we... I I do wish they got a Korean actor to play him instead of a Chinese mm. One, because his accent is clearly a Chinese accent. Uh, that kind of just threw me off, because he's definitely supposed to be Korean. I did not know he was Korean in the comics, so that didn't bug me. That's fine. That's cool. I I would like to see more of him. That, that would have been cool. That would have been cool. Another big difference is that in the theatrical cut, Silas lives, right? He lives. Versus he does he live, dies yeah. in this one. Yeah. He dies in a very Miles Dyson fashion. <laughs> <laughs> With a, a, a controller in his very hand. Very nice. He, you know. Very nice. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's it's kind of interesting to see that that was that was a little shocking to me. Where um, there's definitely implications to having a character die versus not die. You know, it was a good death at first. I was yeah. like, dude, what are you doing with that laser? You know, it's not going to work. And then the movie is like, oh, he knew it wasn't going to work. He was doing it for a reason. Yeah. And then and then it, it like makes a connection to how they actually find uh, Steppenwolf's base. Yeah. Did they ever show how he finds the base in the theatrical cut? I can't remember how they find it. I they don't just remember. Find it. Yeah, I, it's just one of those things that you're just like, oh, they just find it. Whereas this is like a really cool sacrifice of a character who we've grown attached to, and yeah, it, you know, it was his cyborg's plot, and it, it was it was good. Like, there's a ton of this stuff throughout this cut where they just, it just adds all the connective tissue you need to make this a real story. Yeah, it was a neat little rug pull too, because you're like, oh, he killed himself for no reason, and then like, yeah, at the end it was like, oh, he he marked the the mother box with like. The, the lasers and all the heat. It makes sense. It makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it was cool. That's that's yeah. all I want from my movies to make sense. And this did a lot of that. And it, yeah, it definitely adds a lot more weight to the end where he like actually listens to the recorder, right, of his dad like speaking. Mm-hmm. Like Very I thought cool. that was that all really worked. Like the the cyborg stuff really works really well mm-hmm. compared to the theatrical cut. I think his extra arms are really dumb and stupid looking, but <laughs> <laughs> it's different. Speaking of things that work, I like their logic for bringing back Superman. Like, they explain the mother boxes and what they do yes. and all of that. Mm-hmm. Like, the, it makes so much more – everything just makes so much more sense in this movie. Yeah, like, in the theatrical, it's like, we, we'll just use the mother box to bring him back. Like, it doesn't – Wait, what? That's a thing they do. All right, whatever. <laughs> yeah, and it's like right? – in this one, they're like – they logically kind of, like, think it out and like, oh, it probably can do this. So, let's let's do it. And not to mention, like, the final fight is better too with superman like you could really feel like how powerful he was when he like just zooms in and like the 
takes the axe. the axe. Yeah, and then he just gives it a little blow, and like it turns into ice, and like he just breaks it. This weapon that like Steppenwolf had this whole entire movie. Yeah, that's an incredibly cool change. Yes, I love the fact that like in the theatrical cut, like that was the big moment was when they worked together to like break his axe. Where in this one, it's just like, oh, I'm just going to break Superman, his axe. Superman, yeah, yeah. And, but like, and and then they work together to basically decapitate him, which was also pretty cool. <laughs> Did you guys like the way they changed that fight uh, in the end? Like, instead, because they, they took out, we talked about them taking out the Russian family plot, and instead, Flash's like whole purpose in this fight is to like run around in circles to build up enough energy to like give it to Cyborg. So he, I think the running around was kind of stupid. But then once we saw the the actual like cube synchronize, and then like you know, that blast goes out and then he has to like run fast enough to reverse time. I thought that was really cool. That was cool. Yes, absolutely. I'm totally with you. I was like, what are they like, what are they doing with this? Right. And then they have them fail. And I'm like, oh shit, that actually is awesome. Right. It was really cool. It was, I think they really, I wasn't, I wasn't buying it and they totally sold me. Those effects were great. Where like he goes back in time and then like Cyborg is like re- reconstituting yeah, yeah, yeah it's cool it's cool it's all really really cool. i think the most unrealistic part is like that parademon fucking 360 no scoping the flash yeah <laughs> <laughs> dude one of them's got a hit right? they're not storm they're not stormtroopers they've been shooting at them for like hours just talking about the last fight like it's so much better because it feels like everyone has something to do Mm-hmm. versus like in the theatrical cut it was just like all of them trying to fight steppenwolf but like like even cyborg trying to do the the separating of the the mother boxes was more involved right where he actually had to like go into the mother box and and then you know the flash actually having to use his powers to like reverse time and and yeah i just think it's so much more involved and just so much better use of like their powers versus it just being a fight Against Step- Steppenwolf, right? Oh, Braun versus Braun, right? Oh, one one random thing completely. So, like, when they resurrect Superman, and I guess, like, they bring some tanks to, like, start shooting at him or whatever. I thought that was, like, a weird little addition. But what it made me think of is, like, wait, where the fuck is, like, everybody else in the world in this fight, right? Like, if the world's really about the end, don't you, like, tell the government and, like... Get all the Amazons together to come help you and, like, get all the Atlanteans, right? Like, shouldn't it be some, like, weird Lord of the Rings, like, battle or whatever at the end? They only have why 70 million six, dollars, why man. <laughs> no, I know, I know, I know. It's like that weird, like, you start thinking about the logic of it and, like, makes no sense thing. And the, the tanks kind of knocked me out of it. Because, like, previously the movie was just about, like, everyone on the team and, like, close relatives and people, like, involved in their individual story. And then, like, when you bring these tanks into it, it's just like, wait, it had me start thinking about, like, the government and, like, all the other people who should be there. Right, And then, like, right, Steppenwolf right. even says, like, oh, I went and I, like, killed the entire island of Amazons or whatever. And then, like, I don't know if he I, – I, presumably he was lying. But, He's like, lying, yeah. It did just make me think, like, oh, wait, where are the Amazons? Like, they know about Steppenwolf. They know he's a giant asshole. Like, they should be here to help. Like, even if every yeah. single Amazon is only, like, one – percent of strong wonder woman there was a lot of them like <laughs> it'd be nice to have their help right it's called justice league not justice league <laughs> of the amazons okay <laughs> not to jlaa right amazons and atlanteans yeah one of those comic book things you can't think too much about yeah i, I think the movie doesn't do a good job of relaying the idea that you know at one point 
the people of Earth, right? The the At- Atlanteans, the Amazons, and in and man at one point, you know, came together to defeat Darkseid, and that it doesn't really show you very well that like all those s- sectors have kind of separated and they don't come and help each other anymore, right? Yeah, it's like humanity sucks now. I I kind of I kind of got that. But Diana can get on the fucking phone and call her mom and be like, "Mom, I need help." I mean, I don't know. Presumably, well, phones. She <laughs> just shoot that arrow back at her mom, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> shoot back a fucking "come help me" arrow and can like get some fucking help because it's like to save the world. Like I don't know, you would want you would want the assistance of the fucking arrow. What are they sitting there twiddling their thumbs while you're saving the world? Well, this this is the problem with like all superhero movies, right? Like, of course, where, where yeah, fu- of like course. you know, in Iron or in like Captain America, like you know, where's Iron? Where's Man, Iron Man? Where's the Hulk? Yeah, where's where's, where's Thor, right? Yeah, Why exactly. isn't every yeah. movie an Avengers movie? Because everyone should be working together to try to save the world. Yeah, you should be helping each other, right? Yeah. At least we got we at least we got the six, right, or whatever they call them. <laughs> so yeah, like I don't know. It's funny. This this is ends up being like a very cyborg centric version of this movie. And, like, he's not even a Justice League guy, right? Like, he's a Teen Titans character, right? Yeah. Like, he's not in your – like, if you had to pick a canonical Justice League, first of all, it's probably seven people and not six, right? Mm-hmm. And second of all, like, he's not one of them. You you have a Green Lantern probably and then, like, yeah, John. Martian Manhunter and or, like, maybe one of the Hawk people. Yeah, I would even say, like, Hawkman or, like, Black Canary before Cyborg. So it's interesting they picked him. I think Cyborg's like, a recent – Canonical. Very much like a, I it's think like a, a new a 52, 52 yeah. yeah, new 52 addition to the Justice League. Well, you got a black character in there. That's kind of nice. I mean, the, the Justice League is real, real white, I think, without him. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so I don't know if that's just why they did it, but like, I mean, hey, shout out to them for thinking about that, I guess. Yeah. Hashtag don't forget Ryan Choi. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, is there anything else you guys wanted to bring up? Um, I would say that this was like really I mean, maybe not really good, but it was good. And I wouldn't encourage anyone to see this if they're not like a comic book person, like if they're not into this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But if you're yeah. already the kind of person who would watch this movie, definitely fucking watch it. If you're hesitant after watching, you know the the original Justice League, saying like, "Oh, there's no way it's going to be any better," it is. It is better in every single way. <laughs> like, you it know, is better. Um, take it, take it from me, the world's biggest Zack Snyder hero, like. <laughs> Yeah, I like it, it, this. I I enjoyed this. Yeah, it's it's not good enough to like recommend to somebody who normally wouldn't watch these movies, right? Like, yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's good enough to recommend to anyone who would watch a superhero movie. Watch this one. It's a good one. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, we haven't really dove into this too much. It's it's a super fascinating kind of experiment, right? Uh, Jeff, you mentioned that you know we're probably never going to get this again, but it is super interesting to see like this is a movie. That was made specifically for streaming that normally would come out like on, uh, you know, a big blockbuster in the summer in the theaters. Right. And like it's it's not like the other HBO things that they're releasing simultaneous in theaters and HBO Max. Right. This is only coming to HBO Max. And it's it's totally different format. Like we even talked about that. Right. That four three aspect ratio. Mm-hmm. We, we talked a little bit about the length. Like all of those aspects seem to only work really. I mean, I guess the four three isn't really for home theater, but uh, like the four hour runtime, like you can't do that in the theaters. Like you kind of have to do that on a streaming service because it allow you know. And he smartly put in the chapters so that people can stop at the end of a chapter if they needed to, right? If they wanted to take a break. Mm-hmm. Or you can watch it all the way through. Like, it, 
I don't know. I think the way he kind of presented it is is smart for the the platform that he was going to be on. Yeah, I mean, this is just like a confluence of things that made this possible that'll probably just never happen again. Like a botched release that was critically and financially a disappointment that got a second chance, right? And say what you want about Zack Snyder, but he's like a visual auteur and he got to reclaim his vision and there's something like cool about that and like admirable mm-hmm. about about like that and he succeeded in doing that with the vision and like I mean there are obviously still naysayers out there on uh, and like I'm still not the biggest Zack Snyder fan but like just to see how far he's come from like you know like misunderstanding the characters and like not really being able to like tell the story that he wa- like he came back and he did this and it surprised me and it was good. It wasn't amazing, but you know, it's, there's something to be said about that. I, I, I really admire this. Yeah, definitely. Uh, if there's nothing else from you guys, I think that will conclude this week's episode. Jeff, where can people find you? You can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at strange harbors. What about you guys? I'm just going to say, you can find me on the podcast here. Uh, don't look for me anywhere else. What about you, Derek? <laughs> <laughs> you can find me at the wrong date. Dick spelled D A Y I K, and that's for Instagram and Twitter. Uh, if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor and give us a great star rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to more people. Yeah, and if. Uh... If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, feel free to shoot us an email. We like reading emails out on the pod. So if you have anything you want to say about Zack Snyder's Justice League, feel free to shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. All right. We'll see you guys next week. All right. See you next week, everybody. See you guys then.